This is a National Arts Center podcast. Find more great NAC podcasts on the performing arts at nacpodcast.ca or search on National Arts Center on iTunes and subscribe for free. Welcome back to NEC Dance with Kathy Levy. In this third and final episode, Emily Molnar describes a tremendous opportunity she saw in heading Ballet BC at a turning point in its history. She outlines the three-year plan she developed before taking on its artistic directorship out of concern for its survival and place in the dance landscape of British Columbia and Canada. She attributes the success achieved to date to a small but strong group of highly committed individuals willing to reevaluate everything. Since July 2009, Ballet BC brought 28 new works into its repertoire and implemented a successful resident choreographer program. In closing, Emily defines her lifelong fascination with the potential of the body and the expression of the body. And prompted, she sketches her next three-year plan for Ballet BC. So now we're kind of at the 2009 mark in mm-hmm. the story of mm-hmm. Emily Molnar. Mm-hmm. And this opportunity comes up mm-hmm. to take on a directorship, something you've been looking at, something you've been curious about, mm-hmm. for Bally BC, a company you knew and had great influence in your life. But, okay, it's a bit of a mess. Mm-hmm. So tell us, take us back to that time period and mm-hmm. what made that challenge given what you've already told us about how much you wanted to direct and Mm -hmm. and work with other choreographers, what made that particular challenge something that you wanted to take on, walk into? Well, when I left Ballet BC, I really became involved in the company purely from a spectator point of view. I was not really participating in the company. The company was doing, you know, really well, but I was seeing the shows. I wasn't actually inside the company anymore. So it was actually a fascinating time for me to be able to step away. When I started to hear about the challenges, it was really at the time that the rest of, you know, the country was hearing about them. Um, I was asked as part of the community in BC, as an artist in the community, there was a committee that was going around asking all of us about how we felt about Ballet BC, how we felt about what was going on. And so I had an opportunity to kind of give some of my perspectives. And what I felt at that moment, and I still feel today, is that it um, to see one company struggle or be lost in this country means that it could happen to any of us. And I knew that Ballet BC had a very unique um place in the country. It did a lot of new work. It supported a lot of Canadian choreographers. It was it was a creation-based contemporary ballet company. And that is not what every other company is. Um, I think every ballet company in the country has a certain identity that's very specific to it. And I think Ballet BC really needed to still be there. And so I was concerned not just for the company. I was concerned for BC. I was concerned for the country, um, that landscape, and the balance of it. Uh, so when I was approached about the job, which I was part of, um, you know, there were other people being looked at, and I was brought in by the, the board and interviewed. I went in with a three-year plan. I wasn't asked for it at that time, although that's not an unusual thing for a director, someone who's looking at a directorship, to be to be asked. But I had, it was, to me, not, um, 
it was not about me getting a job. It was actually because I felt very concerned about something very important being lost in our country. And I, I wanted to be a part of helping it because I believed so much in the organization. Yes, there was a lot of there was a lot of stuff we had to do. I felt very strongly, and I think I could not have taken the job if I had a different perspective, and it has to do with who I am as a human being. When I think as individuals, we all get confronted at some point with who we are, where we're going, you know, is this, this, is, this is my life. Have I done everything I wanted to do? And there's those moments where we come into crises where we go, you know, do I really believe in this anymore? Am I doing this well? Something hits us, you know in a variety of ways. And um, we either choose to use it as an opportunity or we choose to let it um, take hold of us and we uh, are kind of pressured by it perhaps for the rest of our lives. I thought that at that moment what was going on with Ballet ABC was an enormous opportunity where I think some other people may have thought it to be a sign of decay. So I was not afraid for a moment that there was something great underneath that because I knew how many people had been a part of bringing that company forward and the development of our audience was we had a fantastic audience for contemporary dance that didn't happen overnight that happened over many many years where we were able to have an audience who wanted to see new work they wanted to see contemporary ballet Um, there had been a lot of people who had put a lot of time and I felt that the company hadn't had its moment to fully be realized. But, but, you know, I remember back in those times that there was a lot of debate about the fact that maybe the problem was that it was too contemporary and mm-hmm. maybe, you know, this old adage that the ballet audience wants to see story-based classical mm-hmm. ballet. So I think is, that, that, is there any truth in that? I don't think so because our audience is actually quite... I mean, there will always be that discussion of, you know, whether people lean more towards... Um, you know, classical ballet or more contemporary work. And I actually find getting this job now, Kathy, I find it fascinating. And I, we were talking about this earlier this morning. There are so many people who have said to me, not so many, but there have been an, a group of people who have said, you know, I only like classical ballet. And they come to one of our shows and all of a sudden they're converted somehow. And I just go, it's not. Once people kind of open up, they just want to see great dance. Yes, there's going to be people who have a certain aesthetic, but I think what people didn't understand, the one thing I, when I got the job is there were a lot of people who first, it wasn't that it was that they knew who Ballet BC was and they didn't like what they saw. There were a good portion of the people in our community who didn't know about Ballet BC at all. So they didn't even have an opinion. It was that we had not branded ourselves properly. But the people that did know, there was a lot of... Um, John was doing full-length story ballets. He was telling a story. So I don't know if that's... I don't think that's what it was. I think there were... What do you think it was? It would be very hard for me to say because I was not inside. I think it was just a moment that's not unlike what happens to a lot of organizations where different things just... The communication breaks down a little bit. And I really think it was just... um, and I say that not lightly because I think it's like when I, when I look at uh, motivating a group of dancers, it takes one dancer or one person in an organization, this is my belief, to not be behind what the vision is to all of a sudden start to turn the boat off. You know, to the side. So, of course, twelve angry men. You exactly, know, we, exactly. We so, see that in cases of literature, and well, of course, absolutely. real life, but, but absolutely, uh, so, in literature, of course. So, I think you know, to say it was about one person, one thing. I think it was. Um, 
it was a, an accumulation of different things, a different, you know, the timing of certain things. Sure. But there was still a tremendous amount of support. I mean, there were dancers that were laid off, but were absolutely still committed to that company mm-hmm. and board members and audience members who still believe very much in the company. I mean, that's what I found incredibly inspiring when I first got the job was just, I mean, we had to, we had to rebuild the confidence. Obviously, when an organization is challenged like that, you have to kind of, you have to, I mean, we had to reinvent, we had to reevaluate everything we did, why we did it, how we did it, where we were going forward. Um, we had to relook at our audience. I mean, as I was saying to you earlier, we have 50% of our subscribers are new. Um, we have a lot of people who have never seen dance coming into our shows. I mean, is it, going back to your comment about um, classical ballet versus contemporary ballet, what I'm really trying to do with the company is take out the word contemporary. This is ballet. This is what what we're doing is not unlike what's been going on in Europe for many years. We would be a ballet company as we are here, but we wouldn't have to put the contemporary word in Europe. I mean, it's, we, yeah, it's it, it, that's a very important observation because I do think that we still tend to draw the line. I'm grateful that the line is thinner, mm-hmm. that there are more and more general audience members who are yeah. willing to try a number of different types of ballet. Mm-hmm. But I do, I agree with you that it is a term that still defines a particular tradition yeah. that is very deep-seated. Yeah. Everything we do, and I say this to a lot of our new audiences, we could not do what we do if we did not have classically trained dancers. It would not look the same. I agree. I say that too. It's and so, true. and you're talking about, I really question when we look forward I think classical training will be the absolute necessity for every dancer. I mean, there were a peri- there was a period of time when a lot of our contemporary dancers were modern trained. They were not taking ballet classes. But for many years, I mean, in Europe it has, has become more common. I think it's becoming common here. The, tr- the idea of classical training as a necessity for a dancer, or be at least the exposure to it, I think will be the ground basis. Whether or not a codified classical language is what you're going to see step by step on stage, I think... People have been reconfiguring, as as we were saying, George Balanchine said, there's no new steps, just new configurations. I think um, it's there are very few choreographers. I mean, people are working off the classical vernacular all the time. It's a question. I mean, often I have this discussion with, you know, the value of a classical dancer or a contemporary dancer. To me, Natalia Makarova, Marcia Haiti, Brinchnikov, these were contemporary dancers within a classical vernacular. They were completely refreshing and reinventing the classical nature. I mean, what is contemporary? I mean, if we're living and breathing it now, isn't everything? So, But it it is sort of the difference between coming in and doing a Giselle in 2013 Mm -hmm. with um, a contemporary approach to that story Mm -hmm. versus coming in and doing a traditional Giselle with right. new costumes. Right. I think it would be, I think both are essential. I think there will always be people who have never sen- seen, you know, the original Swan Lake. Um, and my desire would be that in the world that for the, the individuals who are interpreting the classical vocabulary, that it means as much to them as it did the first day it was choreographed. But Emily, you know, I'm thinking of you with this boulder, like this huge boulder, not quite the myth of Sisyphus, because you've managed to keep the boulder now, you know, from rolling down the hill. Mm -hmm. But there you are on every single level, just a short four years ago, Mm -hmm. uh, money, dancers, board members, reputation, touring, canceled tours, Mm -hmm. 
I mean, my gosh, you know, how did you take it, break it down one step at a time and rebuild this thing? Because that's really what you've done. It's been a, f- I mean, I, I really look forward to, you know, maybe 30 years from now, if I'm still alive, I'm looking back and going, oh, yeah, you know, all of these deci- decisions led to this. I think it's going to be a very fascinating, uh, hopefully, if we continue to do well, um, a study in how you turn an organization around. Um, it was a very small group of, of very committed individuals. And we would not have been able to do it had we not had a, a very strong group of, you know, some key board members um, and myself and the dancers. I mean, it was a team of people, but how we've done it, yeah, I mean, it's um, it's a very long conversation. We've been, I think it's by not being afraid to turn everything upside down and, and think completely outside the box and be very honest and just say, you know, and be very clear about why we're doing it. The first thing I said to the dancers, I mean, we did not have, I mean, I was also being pressured with huge financial limitations. You had to pay you rent. Know. You had to pay salaries. Oh, absolutely. And, but also at the same time having this, this pressure to produce innovation right. some, and some form and, and, and obviously excellence to continue the reputation in, in a lot of ways, do something new, do something different, do something that would give a signature to the company that would, would make people look at us differently or look at us for the first time, but do it under this kind of, at the same time as trying to reevaluate everything. But I, f- I think all of us just found it, um, it's amazing when everybody's on the same page. I said to the dancers, at the end of the day, your potential is what is the foremost thing on that stage is what you are saying. And that doesn't cost money. It takes time to look at those individuals and motivate them and empower them. That's where I first put my focus is what is what is actually the most the premise of the company, which is the artistic vision and the artistic voice of those performers. And so I said, okay, I'm going to bring in as many people from around the world so that our audience can see what's going on in contemporary ballet. And it won't just be one one person or two or three people. It will be as many people as I can. The art has to be at the center of the, the room. No one's ego is greater than that. That means that all of us, those in the front of the room, the, dar- the dancers themselves, have to take ownership in this. So there was a lot of communication going on within the organization, why we're making this decision, what are some of the obstacles in front of us, why we can't do that, why we are doing that. I mean, down to just recently when we were doing strategic planning, we met with the dancers and we got their opinion about marketing. We got their opinion about stuff. That doesn't happen in every company where you give that kind of voice to the dancers. But we have a group now that are there because, and you can only do that, because you're saying everyone is participating and taking ownership for this company and they want to see it go, do well. And that we want that the art is the first and foremost thing and that our audience became very important. I mean, we did simple things like, you know, post-show drinks where we just invited everybody upstairs to meet the artist after a show. Those have become huge opportunities for dialogue. Um, being able to do a lot more open houses, continuing to enlarge. I mean, there's so many outreach things, artist salons, choreographic workshops, where every choreographer, you know, Johan Inger comes in, a former artistic director of the Kohlberg Ballet. He's coming in, setting one of his work. We've never had his work in Canada before. And our community gets to work with him. 
these are huge opportunities for community development. I mean, working with Kevin O'Day and Ballet Meinheim, we went to Banff. He was received the first Kerner Award. We created a work. He took that work to Ballet Mannheim that season. We took it to Ballet BC. We shared the costs, and we both got a commission out of it. I mean, these are not things that are necessarily new, but we, but we were developing them new for the company. Um, we went back and did a lot of talking with um with a lot, I mean, rebuilding a lot of our relationships with ballet companies. With, I mean, there's just there's many, 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 many different layers, as you know. All all of these with, things are very important mm-hmm. and fascinating to hear about because it really is, you know, in the course of every working day and probably many working evenings, mm-hmm. you have to be involved on so many levels oh, as the director and absolutely. as someone who's trying to turn this big ship around, absolutely. head the ship in the right yeah. direction, and keep moving forward. Yeah. And I mean, I. Not every artistic director is in this. I mean, I take on also one of the roles as a as a rehearsal director. So I am sometimes six hours a day in that studio, often, um, rehearsing the dancers. And then I also, as, as any director in a smaller company, and as you just mentioned, we're wearing many different hats. We are in the development, you know, discussing all of the layers. We are in marketing. We are in all of the outreach. We are in all of the programming and even down into negotiating the details of the of the curating and, and um, working with you know commissions and I mean we developed our first resident choreographer position we never had that before these are all things that I participate in um, yeah it's a lot of hours it's something I love to do but you're it, not just participating in them these are part of your vision yes this is part of yes. what you're doing do you do you were, were these all in the three-year plan that you presented to there the board? were there were, I mean, now that I look back on the three-year plan, I'm like, wow, yeah, actually, we've done quite a few of those things. That's so great, I mean, isn't we, it? Yeah, it's, it's a it's, wonderful feeling. It is a wonderful yeah. feeling. I mean, I always, uh, ever since I was young, I think I've, I'm slowly learning how to maybe not be like this, but I always, as soon as I take a step, I'm always looking at, you know, the seven in front of me. So often I've not given myself a chance to um, enjoy the position in the moment I'm in. You went and bought the point shoes, but then you had to learn how to put them on. That's right. That's right. That's right. (laughs) But what I did just, we were just uh, looking at is since um, over the past four years, so almost be four years in July that I've been with the company, I've brought in 28, well, the company has, it hasn't just been me, um, 28 new works to our repertoire. 28 new works. Yeah. And we've brought in... And That's it, phenomenal. And these you. are works that are a combination of works that have been created especially for the company mm-hmm. and works that you've loved of other choreographers, yes. many of whom you've worked with, mm-hmm. with whom you have some kind of relationship yes. that you've yes. managed to get the choreographers to agree yeah. to set on your company. Yeah. And That's I think, phenomenal in four years. Thank you. I mean, except for maybe the exception of Herman Schmerman, which was done by the National. I think any all of the existing work we've brought in, which has been, you know, I think maybe 10 works, have not been seen in Canada. So, you know, people like Jacopo Godani, who's been very big in Europe for many years, Yorma Alo. We actually, I think we were just, I think it was us and then the National that had him create a work. So we were, I think maybe, or maybe Karen was just in advance of that. So, I mean, and Johan, there are a lot of people. Tell me about the resident choreographer idea and how that came to pass and tell us who you're going to be working with. Well, I think it was something that I was very influenced by when I was, you know, younger dancing with the National. I mean, at that time, there were many people that had resident choreographer positions and companies. And then that started to kind of wane. Um, you saw a lot of and now it's more sort of the freelance life. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I kind of I there was kind of a nostalgia. I was going, you know, why doesn't that exist? 
And because we are such a creation-based company, I thought this is a logical s- step because I thought it's it's very important if we're going to be a creation-based company and we are going to support choreographers, that it would only be a natural evolution that we would have relationships with choreographers over a longer period of time so that our audience develops an, a, a relationship that our artists. So we would actually, because one of the part of the vision, one of the parts of my vision is that we are a company, a repertory company where because a lot of times when you do existing work, you can have a repertoire come in, but you're not necessarily working with the choreographer. So you touch the work to a certain degree, but you're not necessarily hands-on with the choreographer. What I really wanted us to be is a, a, a company where a choreographer can come in, and within those two or three weeks, they're able to make the piece they want to make and not have to just... They can start from scratch the first day they meet those dancers, that those dancers are fluent and open enough that they feel like they're working in their own company. And it was lovely when we just worked with Nicola Fonte about um, a few months ago. And he one of the first things he said to me is, I, I feel like I can make the work I want to make right now. I feel like I'm in my own company. And that was my, I think, one of the greatest compliments that I could have gotten personally, because that was always my hope, that it wouldn't be about having to make it work based on the, just the dancers that you're working with, but actually where that choreographer is in their their evolution that was the primary thing that they could and then they had this instrument these instruments these dancers that were flexible enough and open enough to be able to dive into that process from day one so the resident choreographer position we're looking at even expanding that having our you know artistic associates in a variety of different levels but i think for a choreographer who does not necessarily have their own company to be able to have that kind of stability and that sense of structure, I think it, it kind of it meets that demand or need that we were discussing where you know as a choreographer you're going to have a support to research and develop yourself as a choreographer without just wondering where your next commission is going to come from. So I think it's very important that some of these larger companies in the country have that position in order to sustain this idea of developing choreographers, not just through a commission, but also through this relationship of a longer term idea. So tell us about who you're working with then. So uh, Jose Navas was has is our first resident choreographer. It's been a three-year term. We're right now in the, the final term. So the first year was a 20-minute work. Second year was I asked him to, we would repeat that work and he would make a response to that work. So it became a full evening called Bliss. And this year he is, he's about to premiere in April his first story, full-length story ballet, which will be Giselle in a contemporary, with a contemporary perspective. It's incredible. And that will be coming up in the spring of 2013 Absolutely, in Vancouver. Yes. I mean, Jose, our audience knows Jose. He's one of our associate dance artists. Mm-hmm. We've seen his work in the studio, in the mm-hmm. theater. This was a huge opportunity for him. He was just, and now, of course, he has future commissions coming down the road with bigger yes. ballet companies. And it's very, it's yeah. an incredible opportunity. I mean, uh, not just for Bally BC, but also for him as a Canadian choreographer. Yes. I was very excited to see recently that uh, that Karen had just offered him a commission. I thought that's great because I think we somehow silently helped to participate in Absolutely. that and that we gave him a, a venue to show what he could do. And I never doubted. Um, we were the first ballet company that Jose worked with. so And that it was lovely to see someone, just that it worked out, that that that, that idea that someone with that kind of perspective could it could lend itself to different um with different types of dancers and different. I, I personally love i mean i love jose's work i love the idea of contemporary choreographers taking on classical ballet work and mm-hmm. giving it a new contemporary mm-hmm. trip. I'm, a, I'm a huge matzek mm-hmm. fan and mm-hmm. i love you know many of these artists who've gone in and really tried to shake up the yeah. the principle of this story that's going to be an interesting challenge to present to your audience though you say mm. Giselle they're going to think it's Giselle yes we're going to have yeah we'll have people who yeah we'll think Giselle 
and will want to come because it's a classical, um, it's known as a classical ballet. And there will be people who might not want to come because it's known as a classical ballet. So we have both sides of the of the challenge. Absolutely. But it's, 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 a, it's a very interesting challenge. And it's actually right at the heart of what is our mandate of com- as a company. Two. We've um, had the great opportunity of having the company back this year, showing three ballets. Um, we've spoken about William Forsyth and Yorma Elo, and also the new piece by Medi mm-hmm. Welerski. Yes. I hope I'm pronouncing mm-hmm. that right, who made the work especially for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you've talked about a number of other choreographers who I know are very interested in you and coming to work with Ballet BC. I noticed they're all men. Or a lot of them are. And Mm. and I'm wondering, okay, where's Emily Molnar's voice? Are you going to be choreographing for the company? Where are the women? Right. So we've, I do one piece a year. Um, and it's actually on some of our programs in this Eastern tour. All right, we'll have to we, definitely catch up with you yes, on that yeah. part. Sorry, we've, um, we've had the pleasure of commissioning a new work by Azure Barton, which was last season. We, My first season that we put on Renaissance, um, when I first got a hold of the company, we had one of Crystal's pieces. And then Giaconda Barbuto has also choreographed for us. So absolutely, I mean, I have... Um, I look forward to more and more female choreographers. It's um, There are many in the world, so we're just, it's absolutely. I'm very encouraged to hear you say that. How would you define your work? Hmm. What is Emily Chore- Emily Molnar, the choreographer, like? It's very, tr- I always find that tricky when people ask, because I'm always tentative. I, I prefer to hear what other people think. But um, <laughs> um, I think... Is you certainly, I've, the one thing about my work is that I, I mean, the la, if you'd seen the last piece I did, it was to the music of John Soren, which is klezmer inspired. And it's um, <laughs> a lot of people found it amazingly different because I've, uh, it's an infusion of color that I don't think many people see on stage at one time. I mean, I have the men in orange pants and purple, sh- you know, <laughs> shirts and blue <laughs> it ties. It goes with the music. <laughs> but um, I think I'm very, f- I mean, I'm fascinated with, with the potential of, 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 of the body and the expression of the body. I certainly stay more within the abstract work. I've not tackled a story ballet. I'm not sure that I would want to do that. But a lot of my work has a very... Um, I'm very curious about the conceptual and structural aspect of work, so that fascinates me. I'm, I'm looking forward to the day where I get to work with a visual artist more and kind of getting people to... Um, to take their perspective on how they actually structure work and apply it more to the the creative voice of the body, um, I think each time I go into a piece, it, it's it slightly becomes a different a different world. But it's definitely more philosophical. I'm very curious about landscapes, about more sensory worlds. Hmm. Um, so I think I create states, ideas within states. Um, so yeah, it's more of a philosophical nature. But I'm certainly very influenced by my classical. I will do works, you know, for point, but also flat. I mean, some works I do are completely improvisational. Some works are highly choreographed. So I think I I go depending on who I'm working with and what type of piece. I think they are they 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 vary. I wouldn't say that they're. Um, yeah, it really is the person I'm working with that influences me. That's wonderful to hear. I know we'll get a chance to talk again in the future, mm-hmm. but I'm just wondering to to wrap up, if you were to make it the next three-year plan for Ballet BC, what would it what would it look like? Well, certainly coming back to the National Arts Center, <laughs> if if that's possible. We had such a lovely love time, it. lovely time last night and such a beautiful audience. Um, you know, our hope is to continue to tour, obviously, to get the work that we're doing to be ambassadors for Canada, to be ambassadors for the, the development of the, the choreographers that we're that we're that we're commissioning. Um, I'd love to see us continue to tackle larger full-length pieces, um, but also continue to navigate through the mixed programs. We've had huge successes. I'd love to see us get to Europe, obviously. Um, I'd love to continue to um, to just 
really be a part of investigating. I think it's a very exciting time right now for dance in this country and actually in our in North America. I think it's speaking to people on a level I think it always has, but I think there's some very, very exciting things going on. I think there's some incredibly exciting voices. I really want to see the company be a part of being able to support that. I'd love to see us be able to take on more risk as far as sometimes just being able to create research opportunities or to develop an apprentice company um, where we have a junior company that's able to go around to venues that we may not be able to go and have that working opposite. So I'd love to see us have a school for contemporary dance. Um, you know, I'd love to see us have a number of things. I mean, I'd love to see us do what we're doing, but to continue to just enlarge it um, and to still stay always very true to the creative process. I'd love to continue to build um, more opportunities, more seasons, um, so it's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of ideas brewing, but one has to also just be really aware of what is needed at the time. Well, you're very ambitious. Mm. The dancers look absolutely exceptional. Mm. I'm, I'm amazed and impressed with how you've made Bally BC a very big going concern again for all of us. Mm. And we really look forward to having you back at the National Arts Centre. Mm. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having me here today. That's all for this NEC Dance Podcast. Please send us your comments and questions by email at necpodcasts at gmail.com. Don't forget, you can subscribe to NEC Podcasts at nec-cna.ca forward slash podcasts. You can also find us as a free subscription in the podcast section of the iTunes Music Store. Until next time, goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre. This has been a National Arts Centre podcast produced in Ottawa by NAC New Media. Send us your comments and questions. Email us at nacpodcasts at gmail.com. Visit the podcast section of the iTunes store where you can rate and comment on this podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Remember, you can find more great NAC podcasts at necpodcast.ca or search on National Arts Centre on iTunes and subscribe for free. Until next time, goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre.